This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you talk to people in their 70s and 80s and even 90s and you ask them just kind of life wisdom, most of them will talk about what they regret not having attempted or not having tried. That goes all across the board. I'm talking like, you know, with a romantic partner, work or career, whatever things that they spent too much time dwelling on. They talk about regretting usually like not having done the thing. So I take that wisdom a lot with me because I really try to prevent the amount of regrets. I mean, not that I have many. The only thing is really just like skating, wishing I tried harder. But besides that, I just I think I would once again much rather go for it and at least have the outcome play out versus wondering what it could have been had I done XYZ. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hi, Emily. Hey, Natalie. Thanks for coming on my podcast. I think this is also your third time on mine. <laughs> That's true. So both of yeah. us have three are three timers now mm-hmm. with our podcasts. And I was just on Emily's podcast. We talked all about like dating and relationships. So definitely listen to that one. But this episode, I actually want to talk to you a lot about confidence, motivation. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like for those of you who don't know Emily... Emily, I would classify you as like a flirt. You're a very flirty person, <laughs> yeah. which is something that I don't think I am. Like, I think I am mm-hmm. if I have like a few drinks in me and I like know you really well, mm-hmm. like then I'll be like a little flirty. But with just like a random person I meet out, I am not flirty at all. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like scared to talk to you. So <laughs> I want to see like, what do you think about when you are out and you're wanting to go up and be like, OK, that guy's cute. I'm going to go up to him. Okay, because there have been times where there's two that I think of in mind as we speak where I'm like, damn, I should have gone up to them. This is so random. I still think about to this day. There's this guy I saw getting coffee at Italy in Flatiron. This was like fall of 2021. Okay, so you're (laughs) yeah, I know, right? (laughs) And I remember we made eyes with each other so many times, but he was in like a meeting like with colleagues. I could tell he was in a suit. And I think he didn't have a window of opportunity to come up to me. And I contemplated with a friend there. I was like, should I just go up anyways? And then I ended up not. And then I just remember wishing I did. So long story short, I share that because especially since that moment, I think about how would I rather regret wishing I did go up to them? Or would I rather regret doing the thing and like, I don't know, feeling whatever it could feel. Cause again, I can't really predict that. And so for me, anything in life, I would rather regret doing the thing because at least I knew what the outcome was. Whereas the alternative, you don't know what the outcome was or would have been. So you'll always be left wondering. And I personally don't like that to be the format of my life. So yeah. Yeah. Do you do that with all 
life decisions like okay best case scenario worst case scenario and like whichever one outweighs that's kind of what you go for I go for what I'm okay with living with so some people might prefer living with the regret of or like wondering what if and that might be better than for them than like actually doing the thing because maybe they haven't practiced certain self-awareness or like maintaining your ego type of thing because I think that comes down to ego some people are afraid what because you're afraid of being told no or you know you're afraid that you look weird like that's all around the ego and so I practiced stoicism a lot and this was from earlier 20s where I was able to hone down on that and and realize like it's just an ego thing it's not really who you are so you don't have to let it affect you you get to choose if the guy not liking you will affect the way you feel about yourself you get to decide that But also I would say the odds are most of the time they're receptive to it because they are surprised that a woman comes up to them anyways to like talk and make conversation. And if you know how to naturally do it where you're like, for example, in New York, if I see a guy at the bar next to me and I think he's interesting, I'm like, oh, are you from here? It's such an easy question because if they're not, then you get into their whole life story and boom, you have a conversation. (laughs) <laughs> okay. I mean, you make it sound so easy. <laughs> because it kind of is. Like, it's it's not as complicated as people think. You ask them where they're from. They might be like, oh, I'm from Long Island. One guy might be like, I'm from Italy. It's like, cool, like, Barley Italiano. And like, you know, <laughs> so then it's like stuff like that, like happens, like even with the guy uh, in, in Miami, like our, the GM at that restaurant. So it's just like stuff like that, that makes conversation because you get to know someone's life story, like who they are, and you get to know like just who they really are versus the surface level stuff. Yeah. Were you ever scared of rejection, though? Like, did you have to deal with that before you started practicing stoicism, before you started realizing that this is just an ego thing? Like, did that ever affect you if you went up to someone and they did, you know, reject you or like weren't interested or anything? Yeah. I think so. And I, my older brother used to call me a chicken. So that, uh, really? that, yeah, I think he'd be like, oh, like he would use the Vietnamese term too. It's like in Vietnamese, we say like mukka, meaning like you're, you're like chicken, you're kind of wimping out type of thing. And I didn't like that because I was like, no, I'm stronger than this. But also I, I realized like, like what for, like, what are you waiting for type of thing? So I think over time, I think after my like four year relationship, That was when I learned how to control my ego more. And I realized like if I continue on with my life where I hold back out of some sort of fear, because I actually did that in figure skating. And so sometimes I regret in figure skating wishing that I had tried more, gone for it more, didn't care about what other people thought more. I would be on a different trajectory in skating and I'd be in a different place in life today. Not that I regret certain outcomes, but I take that as a lesson like, had you been more confident and not as chicken, you would have been in a different place in skating and you would have really loved that. But now you didn't do that. So now what are you going to do differently in your 20s is kind of my perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you have any like big regrets, though, from the past where you wish that you did something then you, you know, kind of like you were saying with figure skating? Mm-hmm. Or do you not regret it because now it teaches you these life lessons moving forward? I think the actual only regret that I have in life is actually only about skating is wishing I tried harder and wishing I went for it. And that still holds like it's very powerful for me because I'm still involved in the sport and I teach now. And, you know, I recently actually performed at Central Park, like after eight years of never performing before. But to me, that's the one thing. It was like my teenage dream. You know, when you're a teenager, you dream about all these different things. And when I was 16, I dreamed for of like competing internationally, either for Team USA or maybe actually eventually like for another country because that's just, there's a lot of ways around it. And so I knew that I didn't end up 
going on the same trajectory as some of my uh, training mates. Uh, two of them actually competed at last year's Olympics. And it kind of shocks your system because, you know, you, you were amongst them mm-hmm. and you were just a few different decisions, a few different focus levels away from being on the same path as them. Mm-hmm. So that still holds a lot of power on me because now I'm like all this, you know, waking up at 6 a.m. is nothing. I used to be on the ice at 530, you know, so yeah. stuff like that makes me go like, oh, you're you're wimping out because what you're scared that he's not going to like you. It's his privilege to talk to you. You know, what I mean? <laughs> That's like what I have to like tell myself all the time. So, yeah, I, I think uh, maybe it's because I was exposed to things that were maybe like more serious decisions that me talking to a guy or approaching anything or even a job that I want is not as scary. I also worked in sales. I think that's a big part too, because I worked in sales and had to do cold calls. So getting, you know, someone answering saying, oh, like, off, like, you know, please don't call us anymore. Like when you hear that kind of rejection, nothing really scares you anymore. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Ares tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard earned cash when I need it most. 
Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. I do think that like that rejection is not as personal because it's like, okay, you're working for someone else. Mm-hmm. It'd be different if it was like he was saying that about your own business, you know, or about yeah. you. How do you kind of get into that mindset, though, of like, it's their privilege to talk to me? Because I think that's where a lot of people lack the confidence mm-hmm. where I've definitely developed it as I've gotten older. So mm-hmm. I think every year I develop more and more confidence. And mm-hmm. I think that's how it should be. But I'm about to be 27. And I think that like at 27, I'm like so much more confident, so much more secure in who I am mm-hmm. than I was at 22. Like at 22, if I would be like, wanting to trying to make a guy like me but and I would like act different or do mm-hmm. certain different things because I was like I need them to like me I need them yeah. to think I'm cool yeah I need them to think I'm like super chill so I'm gonna mm-hmm. like do these things right now mm-hmm. so that they think that because like oh I'm like not like other girls like yeah, that you know like yeah, yeah. typical very not a good mindset to have but now as I'm 27 I'm like I'm very secure in myself I know exactly who I am I think that if someone doesn't like me then that does not reflect on me that just reflects that like we are not compatible like it's not even like and I know we were talking about this kind of briefly in your in your episode but it's not like a oh he sucks like he's the worst right because he doesn't like you because he doesn't like give you attention like he's the worst just forget about him Mm -hmm. I'm like okay no it's like he's also a good person but we're just like not compatible for each other and that's that's fine or if like I'm talking to someone and then they do like you know end up like not really liking me I'm not like oh my god they suck they're horrible people I'm just like okay they're a good person Mm -hmm. we're just like not made for each other and that's okay Mm -hmm. but I feel like it took a long time for me to like get to that mindset what got you to that mindset of it being you know was it just an age thing where you got older and got more confident with age or was it something that you had to like practice or kind of mantras you told yourself or like things that you did that kind of got you into that mindset of it's not a personal thing yeah I think the first step was learning how to rebuild Emily like it's kind of annoying but I always allude to it it came from the breakup I had when I was still living with my partner from like back in college I was only 20 years old and you know like when you go through that at such a young age and you don't have anyone to lean on with parents, especially with this cultural difference, I couldn't really share how I was feeling with them because they just wouldn't get it and they wouldn't be receptive to emotionally supporting me the same way a lot of my like American girlfriends, like with like parents from like who grew up in a similar way, they were able to get it more. And so I didn't have that with my parents. And so I really went through that extremely alone. And fortunately, I was able to get through that because I built the foundation of who Emily is. And when you start to work on yourself, 
so much, you know, fitness and the emotional side and like on all different areas. I was building my skating dress business. I was scaling it at the time. So, you know, when you start to do things that like you see outcomes out of, like you start to see like, oh, I'm actually getting new business from like scaling my website and all this stuff. And then I was becoming more attractive. Like I, I looked more toned and fit. And, and then I was like, you know, becoming more friendly with people. I was making more girlfriends. So when all of those things start to happen, that's when you start to have a better, I think, image of who you really are. And I think that just comes with time, but also actual work on yourself. Like you you pinpoint, like I'm giving myself six months like to work on my physique, for example. I'm going to go to the gym or go to Pilates, whatever. And you build confidence because of number one, actually staying committed to it. And number two, getting results from it. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, damn, like I actually really like love how I look and feel. You know, it's just like a matter like what your preference is. And sometimes that's also on like a character level. Sometimes you need to work on maybe being more honest or catching yourself when you're not being the type of person you aspire to be. Like I think having a role model of being like, oh, I want to be kind like her. Like I had that when I was in college. I remember I had friends that I was like, I want those traits like her. I want these traits like her. And I started to build that about myself. And so I think back to the topic of where that self-confidence comes from, it was actually implementing those things. And then you realize like, wait, I am the person I wanted to be. And from there, I think it's hard to have as much moments where you actually are down on yourself because you know that you actually enjoy who you are. You know what I mean? So if someone doesn't like you, you're like, well, I don't give a f- because I really like I myself. Like myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think it comes from it can affect you a lot. Yes. If you haven't done those moments and mind you, it is very hard. Like I've been going through that even the past few months of just like rebuilding some of my individual life, like without my partner. And so there's a lot of highs and lows from that. But I kind of related to sports, you know, uh, people, whether in football or skating or tennis or soccer, you lose the championships, you win some, you lose some. And it's only in the dark days of like losing that you rebuild that muscle and then you come out and like you win the small battles or whatever, you know, small Mm -hmm. games that lead to the championship. Yeah, I feel like what hurts a lot of people is that they lose a lot of motivation and they think like they're so down on themselves where to them it's like hard to even get in that mindset of like like they don't think like, oh, I want to be like her. I'm going to start like developing these character traits to be kinder or, oh, I want to be like her who has a successful business. Let me start working on it myself. A Mm -hmm. lot of people are in the mindset of wow, I wish I was like her, but that will never be me. Like they're like stuck in that mindset of that can't be me. Like she's so toned and fit. Like, oh, look at me. Like I'm just never going to be like that. Mm. And I think that's the hardest rut to get out of. I always say this, but I was really lucky to be born to a family that like always instilled confidence in me. Mm -hmm. And like you probably grew up the same way, especially with, I think, immigrant parents, like Mm -hmm. very tough, like very, very tough, very tough. Yeah. Like you need to do well, like you need to get like a good job, you need to go like or get a good like degree, you know, very tough on that aspect. But I know that it was always because like they knew that I could do whatever I wanted. So they like pushed you to do that. Yeah. And I think I appreciate that so much now because there is nothing in my life where I'm like, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe I'm delusional, but I think I can do whatever I want to do and like I will succeed in some way. Like maybe it won't be the most successful business or it won't be the most successful whatever. But like I know that I can at least try and like attempt to get to that. Mm -hmm. And it is in the realm of possibility. Whereas I think a lot of people don't have that thinking where they don't think I could do that. They just think like, dang, I wish. But that's just like not me. That's not 
And I don't know how to get out of that mindset because yeah. like, I feel like I grew up with the mindset of anything is possible. And that's yeah. why I'm going to try whatever I want. And if mm-hmm. I fail, I fail. But at least I'm going to try. Yeah. And I don't know. What do you think? Like, did, did you grow up with that mindset, too? Or did you have to kind of teach yourself that anything is in the realm of possibilities? I think the biggest lesson bringing you back to figure skating is seeing that my own training mates compete for Team USA internationally to this day and or have recently competed at the Olympics made me realize that that could have been me. Mm-hmm. And so I also look at this is extreme, but people will think, for example, Kardashians, big social media name, right? They're they're always like, there's no way I could do, you know, build like them. I mean, they always throw out these reasons why the Kardashians are successful or Kylie Jenner has built this, whatever. All fair game. But at the same time, I've never once thought, I can't do the same as Kylie because or like not that I even want to mind you, I don't really want to scale to that degree. I think we all have our different versions of success and what we want in life. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't want that kind of like big glamorous life. But that being said, she is human. Kris Jenner is human. Kim is human. And I've never seen the differences between us as humans. And I think sometimes people almost shoot themselves in the foot early because they're saying, this person's on a pedestal and I'm not mm-hmm. like I just have never raised them like this high and like put myself lower. And I think that kind of comes from maybe listening to people that also said the same thing. And when I hear consistently, you know, I'm the girl next door, but I can do just like them too. Like they were once where you are, you know, like someone started that empire like Chris did. Right. But yeah. she was just like us. She was just a a female like woman, like I think from San Diego, like, like she was just an ordinary person. And so if you realize like each person is also just as ordinary and just as special as you, I think you remove this belief that you can't do it just as well, you know, again, but it takes time. So then you got to develop, I think, the patience muscle of realizing like Kris Jenner and the Kardashian, that's like over almost 20 years now of like building, right? right? So You can't say that it's overnight because I think some people, myself included, sometimes are like, where are the views? Like, why am I not? You know, you think it's overnight. And then you realize like they started on the show when like Kendall and Kylie were like elementary school age, which is when we were in elementary school. So imagine if we started building a podcast or whatever, like our (laughs) brand, right? Since like fifth grade, that's like gnarly, you know? So, So that's actually how long it takes. And I relate it to any athlete, like Tom Brady, whether you like him or hate him, you know, he couldn't have won that many Super Bowls and been the athlete he is today without all those years. It was not overnight, you know, Mm -hmm. same which my favorite athlete, Roger Federer, who's now retired as of last year. You know, how many years of tennis has he been playing? How many years of off-court training has he been doing? You know, none of it happened overnight, but he's one of the goats of tennis. So that's kind of how I look at it. I know. I feel the same way that it's like when I look at famous people or really successful people, or especially now that I have my own business, I've spoken with a lot of other CEOs. I've spoken with a lot of other business owners. And whenever I speak to them and I like pick their brain, I ask them questions, I ask them for advice, or, you know, they're telling me about the things that they've learned in the past. I really realize that they, one, have felt the same exact like imposter syndrome that every single other person has felt. Like Mm -hmm. they were not born with just like, I'm the best. I know everything. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what I'm doing and everything's going to go smoothly. And everything was just like an uphill trajectory. Like, Mm -hmm. no, they felt also like, what am I doing? Am I capable of this? Mm -hmm. Is this going to work out? Or moments where things almost didn't work out, where they were almost at zero. If you look at like, Steve Jobs with Apple, for example, Mm -hmm. Apple almost failed like multiple times and look at the business that they are today. And 
I just always think like every single person that I look up to and that I admire mm-hmm. has gone through things where they've felt a lack of confidence, where they didn't know what they were doing, where mm-hmm. they almost failed or did fail multiple times. Yeah. And yet the only difference between them and people who, you know, you don't know their names right now or mm-hmm. they aren't necessarily people that you're like admiring is that one of them continued and tried and like tried again and tried again and tried again, like yeah. doing it no matter what. Yeah. And the other person didn't and they yeah. stopped. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of like what you said, like your regret with figure skating mm-hmm. is like, OK, if you did continue to do it, like mm-hmm. who knows where you would be. Yeah. And I feel that way, too, with like a lot of the things that I started early on. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, if I did try with that, like I would have been at a different spot. I would have been a lot more successful. I would have been better. With social media, I'm really happy that I stuck with it over all these years. But there were definitely moments where I did not put in a lot of effort when I should have. Yeah. And who knows what that would have looked like. And so I think that's the only difference. And I hope that like conversations like this help people like think about things differently. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people also just do not have that confidence to think of themselves as like, even in the same realm as those people. Like they think that those people are like different or like mm. not, I don't know, like two different sets of humans or something yeah, where it's yeah. like, well, that could just never be me. Yeah, it's interesting because I think about it sometimes too, almost like in a fascinated way because I grew up in an environment, if anyone, like if there's ever like a documentary on where I grew up and just like a whole actual visual of, I grew up in the Amish capital of America, like where you see horse and buggies. My hometown was 8,000 people. So I was like outside of like the Amish capital, but I was like in that county. Mm -hmm. And I think all the odds were quite frankly against me actually leaving this. It's I worked at Abercrombie for $7 an hour, $7.25. You know, it was 20 minutes to the closest Starbucks. You know, the Mexican food I had was Chipotle, like things like (laughs) that. You know, I was eating Panera and Chipotle like for lunch and, you know, sometimes dinner. So I wasn't exposed to a lot to really think that I could do these things. But I just remember watching even the hills back in middle school. I remember looking at like Whitney Port and Lauren Conrad and I was like, oh, like I could be like that one day. I just I don't know like why I couldn't. But I think what's also helpful is if you talk to people in their 70s and 80s and even 90s and you ask them just kind of life wisdom, most of them will talk about what they regret not having attempted or not having tried that goes all across the board. I'm talking like, you know, with a romantic partner, work or career whatever things that they spent too much time dwelling on, they talk about regretting usually like not having done the thing. So I take that wisdom a lot with me because I really try to prevent the amount of regrets. I mean, not that I have many. The only thing is really just like skating, wishing I tried harder. But besides that, I just I think I would once again, much rather go for it and at least have the outcome play out versus wondering Mm -hmm. what it could have been had I done X, Y, Z. And on those moments where you have gotten rejected, what do you do afterwards? Are you just like brushing it off like, okay, whatever? Or do you ever like take that rejection personally or take it to like motivate you? Or do you just think like, Mm -hmm. okay, it wasn't meant to be like, like, how do you deal with that? Because I feel like rejection, people handle it differently. Like in the very beginning of starting Rella, Mm -hmm. I took rejection kind of personally. And I quickly, like very quickly, I'm talking like one week. I'm like, okay, I can't take this personally anymore. because. One, it's not like I started realizing that people deal with rejection all the time and Mm -hmm. it really isn't personal. And when I reject someone or some idea or something, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily personal. It's Mm -hmm. usually 
something with me. I'm like, yeah, usually it's it's something to do with me. So I started like reframing it that way and trying to think about it. Like when I reject people, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And thinking, OK, so like when people reject me, that's what that like. It's probably not a personal thing. But also I started dealing with rejection on a daily basis when I was pitching investors. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I, I just can't take this personally. Like that's a, so un, it's a very unsustainable way to live. Yeah. So I very quickly was like, OK, this is not personal anymore. I'm just going to use this to grow. But I also need to like develop a sense of confidence where I'm not like changing myself every single time I get rejected. Mm-hmm. So how, what do you do when you deal with that? Yeah. Like you said, like when you realize that when you are, quote unquote, rejecting something or someone or some idea, it's not personal. So I think I always have to backtrack it too. it helps. Number one, realizing like, okay, well, what do I mean when I'm, for example, even like not responding to a text right away, right? I sometimes I've taken it personal. And then I ask myself, well, is it personal when you haven't responded to X, Y, Z? And you realize like, no, I completely it was just like, nonchalant, like, oh, I'll get to it later. Mm -hmm. No big deal. And when you realize like your own thought process in that you realize like, okay, this person's human, they likely had something similar to like, it's not personal, especially if you have done the same thing. That's number one. But I think number two, when it comes to like, like, let's say just like dating or going up to a guy and and, like being fearful of that kind of rejection. I remember my friend, one of my best friends from childhood, she instilled this in me, I realized that's where I got it from. She reminded me all the time, you know, like, it is their privilege to be able to talk to you like you are the fucking shit. (laughs) And like not once again, it's finding the sweet spot of having that confidence, but not letting it get to your head, not thinking I'm too good for this person. Because again, like I allow myself like I allow them to come up to me or I come up to them, whatever. Like, so I, I don't think I'm too good for anyone. But also knowing your own worth and your own value, knowing that okay, if they didn't want to talk to me, they probably could go for second place. And that's awesome. You know, like you have to like, you have to see yourself in a high value place. Again, where like it just maxes out here where you don't get ahead of yourself where you're like, Oh, I'm too good. You can't talk to me. Don't touch me. Don't you know, whatever, like don't get to that place, because then no one's going to want to be around you. But also know that it is not about you. It's just I think of it in energy too, where if they are not really kind of like at your vibration or frequency, not to like make it woo woo, but I genuinely like see it that way that we are kind of vibrating at certain frequencies in life. And sometimes people who are not at that same level simply cannot pair up with you and match up well with you in conversation on the surface level or just on a deeper level too. And you'll see that kind of play out. And I take it even with like tennis as a former competitive tennis player. This was the same thing in that there was like different levels in tennis and you might be playing like 16 and under, but there was like L1, L2, L3, L4. And these were like different levels. People used to call me mean or especially my parents. My mom would think that I was mean for um, having this kind of mindset. And I told her, well, it's the same thing as tennis, right? If you are an L4, level four player, and you try to go play in level two, you will get smashed in the first round. You're out. Yeah. And that's not mean. It's just kind of the reality of life and reality of tennis, right? If you're not as good, you're not going to last to the final. However, it does not mean that you cannot get to that level is always my thought process. It does not mean you are stagnant and you stay in this place forever. You get to decide if you want to be good enough to make it past the quarterfinals and semifinals and make it to the championship round. Like you get to decide that. But I think uh, sometimes people also get into this rut of thinking, oh, I'm here. I'm not going to, you know, improve or I'm not going to be able to get better. Like you kind of have to like look at yourself and be like, who do I want to be? 
you know? Yeah. yeah, I love that. And I actually want to talk about different energy levels, different vibrations, because it is something that I think people roll their eyes at. But mm-hmm. if you explain it in that way, where it's like you just do not connect with certain people or yeah. you are just not on the same like plane. And again, that's not one's better than the other. It's mm-hmm. just like mismatch. Yeah. Then it doesn't work. And I feel like yeah. every single person listening has talked to someone where you are just not connecting. You're yep. not like vibing. You're yep. very, very different. How can you tell if you're on the same, I guess, like vibration, same frequency? Mm-hmm. And how have you elevated yours? Number one, you don't have to overthink it. When you are really clicking well with someone, whether it's like friends like us, like I feel like we have natural conversations, you can just feel it. Like you don't have to think about like, oh, what do I say next? Yeah. Or like, How do I be around this person? It's just like you just be you. You know what I mean? And same thing in a romantic setting, especially ro- like romantic setting. You just feel it. And that's why those people, when you ask the people that get married, they're like, how do you know that was the person? They always say, you know, when you know, it's the same thing. Like, you know when this is a great fit and you can see it play out. You can see it immediately, but there's just something there that is just unexplainable. There is no rational, logical process for it. Mm -hmm. Despite my own logical thinking, like there's just no specific data to explain why you connect. It's just energy. It's more of like a spirit thing. But I think for me, in terms of how I was able to kind of raise my vibration over the years is being taught by my one friend, Elia. He's a good friend of mine. I actually randomly met him at the mall. <laughs> you always I randomly meet people. And yeah. I, that, I'm like, I need to He approached like me, though. I, he, he approached me. He was my friend and I. We were eating gelato at the Century City Mall in L.A. And he and his friend kind of like did a circle around us. And I was like telling my friend, oh, they're going to like walk back and talk to us. And then they did. And then we ended up hitting it off because we talked about personal development, uh, Naval, Tim Ferriss, all the people we liked. And then we ended up becoming really good friends. And funny enough, next month I'm going to Italy because he's Italian and he lives there right now. And I'll like explore Italy with him. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of random. I, I, this one guy I met at the mall, we've been friends for like over two years now. And now I'm going to go see him in Italy. And like, we're going to hang out and like, he'll take me around Italy. Like, yeah only you (laughs) (laughs) um but I think all that to say I remember there were times where I was frustrated with something I didn't know how to manage it I didn't know how to deal with it and he's always been the type of person again it can come off woo woo if you're not really exposed to this as much but he always talked about the Hawkins scale of consciousness which is like this kind of it's like a try it's kind of massive hierarchy of needs but like vibrations and basically the top one is obviously like enlightenment like buddha like that kind of thing and then below that is like joy love some of those and he was saying that his goal has always been to operate at a frequency of love at all times like just being a loving human being he taught me this right before i moved to new york just more planted the seed not taught me it was over time that i realized like i don't have to respond to someone with like anger and fear which is like lower vibrations because if they are this is the way i perceive it if someone is coming to you with a lower vibration if you stay in this higher one which is like bigger more it's more massive you get to overwhelm them with love right it's similar if you you'll notice it in small things for example dogs i know you love dogs i love dogs i'm a fucking dog person anytime i see a dog come up to me wagging its tail don't you just get a little happier yeah like it's the same thing i know it's <laughs> tough i know it's really tough as humans cuz you're like what the f- 
no but it's as cute (laughs) yeah yeah but it's like the energy when you are warm to the barista even if you're having a shitty day or someone else is having a shitty day and you are just warm to them but not like you're just loving and warm they can feel that especially when it comes from an authentic place so it's something I've worked on over the years is I don't have to be angry I don't have to be resentful I can just be in a state of love and do my best to be compassionate and understanding it is not easy there are so many times where I'm like that you know Mm -hmm. but then I have to practice this mindfulness is what we it's in like I do yoga and mindfulness and it's just a matter of recognizing we are humans Mm -hmm. okay we we make mistakes we have our off days we have our good days and if I can just be a good contributing human I guess to the world by being more loving to all people that's my best like attempt like it's kind of where I'm at right now it's like how do I show up with love mm-hmm. to people you know just like golden retrievers yeah yeah <laughs> I'm being honest <laughs> no I totally agree and I think that's also something where I think a lot of religions definitely that's like their golden rule you know mm-hmm. kind of like treat others how you want to be treated yeah. just be a good person and I think with me growing up with a sense of faith as well mm-hmm. I always was kind of I or not always but it was always something that I had thought about was wanting to one show up and like give people grace Mm -hmm. because grace has always been given to me and like always love on other people so whenever you're resentful whenever you're angry whenever you like hate someone or holding Mm -hmm. a grudge it always impacts you more than it impacts them they do not feel that anger as much as you are now living in a state of anger and living in a state of resentfulness. So even if someone does something wrong to you, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you need to be friends with them, doesn't mean that you need to, you know, embrace them back into your life. But it also, I think, forgiveness and like not hating them Mm -hmm. and not feeling anger towards them Mm -hmm. frees you up. Like it actually makes you feel better. It makes you happier Mm -hmm. rather than just being like, you know what? They're human. They made a mistake. I don't want them in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to, you know, entertain that friendship anymore, that relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to give them grace mm-hmm. because you are also human and you're going to mess up and you're going to make people angry and you're going to, mm-hmm. you know, be a bad person to some people sometimes. Yeah. And you know that that's not necessarily who you are and that's mm-hmm. not what defines you. So you shouldn't one hold that and like define that other person in that way. Mm -hmm. You just need to like let them go and like move on and then you're going to be free as well, I think. So I always think like that. And that's why like some people like, for example, I talked about this in your podcast, but my boyfriend that had cheated on me in the past. People are like, oh, my God, he's a horrible person. Mm -hmm. What a bad person. Like, you know, I hate him, blah, blah, blah. As crazy as it might sound, like, I do not hate him. I don't think he's a bad person. I think he made a bad decision. and Like, he did something, like, pretty shitty. Like, and it did hurt me a lot. Yeah. But today, like, I actually, I mean, this happened also forever ago. Mm -hmm. But, and, like, we're not friends, you know, like, we're, Mm -hmm. we're not, like, friendly to each other. But... I was in like I went to the city that he lived in and I was like, you know, I haven't seen him in a while. We were once like close. Like, yeah, I was like, let me just ask if he wants to get drinks, you know, like I'm just going to reach out and see because it's been like so long at this point. Like if it happened recently, I wouldn't have been like that, but it's been like eight years or something crazy like that. So I'm like, let me just like reach out and ask him. And we had like made plans and then he ended up like not being in town like when I was going. Mm -hmm. But Still, like, I think it's always better to show up without resentment and without being like, you're a horrible person. I hate you and holding on to that. Yeah. Then just being like, okay, you made a mistake. I'm not going to date you again. (laughs) Like, I'm going to goodbye. Yeah. But I'm not going to live with that anger because that's like worse on my end. Yeah. 
And that's one of the things that I love about the practice of mindfulness that I've implemented over the past like seven months is you realize you can't be in a state of love without having compassion and understanding for whatever situation that is or for whatever person. And so it's, I think, similar to you when you say give grace, I I think of like giving compassion Mm -hmm. and like being understanding. And I think it would benefit a lot of people to do that in a lot of scenarios because you're not going to gain anything from being angry at someone. Because I, again, this might sound extreme to people, but I think of it as And this is, again, what I learned in practicing mindfulness and like reflecting on it. But it's just like children and animals like a dog. Okay, like (laughs) when they are still learning the ropes of like a dog, like they're still being like potty trained or whatever, like children, like they are still messing up all the stuff in your house. That's maybe the nice stuff. Right. But you subconsciously actually as a parent, you give them grace because they didn't know any better. They weren't trained yet. They didn't know yet. And I think it's kind of interesting when people expect, you know, like, oh, you're 25, you should know that. It's like, well, according to what, right? Because again, we all learn at different paces in life. But at the same time, I think that's why I remove that thinking in my life. And also that simultaneously removes resentment and anger towards people because I don't hold them to this thing of you should have known that you know sometimes at least now they know that's like a better way to look at it at least now they know and then moving forward in an ideal world that they can actually properly implement that you know mm-hmm. same thing with like dogs and children I think it's to me that's just the best way I've been able to realize like we're humans and this is how I can love one another versus saying like, wow, they didn't meet my expectations. Like that is just like they're a terrible person. Like like you said about your ex-boyfriend, like the cheating thing. I think it is fair to not ever want to, you know, be in a relationship with that person or, or to have anything of a stronger connection. But it's also good for you to be at peace, you mm-hmm. know, because I think a lot of people, when you hold that in, you're not at peace. And that's why I respect and I don't like you know, for example, Beyonce and Jay-Z, when Jay-Z was not faithful and loyal to Beyonce, I think a lot of people are probably saying, how the hell do you stay with that man, right? And she probably has her own reasons. But I think that's what's more fascinating is actually the the strength it takes to be compassionate and understanding and forgiving versus I would argue it is easier to be angry and resentful Mm -hmm. and want to get revenge and want to walk away and want to do the same hurt to them. I think that's easier because you already feel those things. So you're already riled up. So I think it takes a lot of strength to like overlook that in a self-respecting way, but also compassionate way. You know what I mean? Like don't let yourself get walked over, but also find the sweet spot. Again, I think that's just the hard part is like finding the sweet spot of both. Yeah. Well, I think it's really hard to realize that you can not like hate someone, not be resentful towards Mm -hmm. them, not be angry towards them, but also realize that you deserve better or you don't Mm -hmm. need to be in that situation anymore. Like you can do both. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think it's honestly, it's kind of like you're, I I don't want to use the word selfish because I don't think it's selfish. I don't think that's the right word. But when you're constantly like, look at what they did to me. Yeah. Look at how they affected me, how Mm -hmm. they hurt me. I'm not saying that like, well, what did you do to make them do that to you? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times 
it's not. It's just a them issue. Like yeah. they are doing something to you because they are hurt or they are angry or they are whatever. And like you did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. But also at the same side of that coin, like you are going to do things to other people that are going to hurt them. Like mm -hmm. none of us can say, can walk through life and be like, I've never made someone sad. Right. I've never hurt anyone. Yeah. Every, every time anyone's interacted with me, it's been a great experience. Right. Like, right. Of course not. Yeah. And we know that we are not bad people. At least mm -hmm. I hope not. You know, like I know myself. I know that I'm a good person. I know that I try always to be respectful towards people, mm -hmm. even though I've definitely messed up in the past. Mm -hmm. But I know that that doesn't define me. So it yeah. shouldn't necessarily define that person like of course if someone's doing it again and again and again and again mm -hmm. maybe that is who they are and right. like you just need to accept that and like you know let them deal with their own issues right, right but I don't think that's always the case and it's easier to just think about well look at how they affected me look mm -hmm. at how they like hurt me they're mm -hmm. horrible than thinking about the times that you've done that to others and yeah you don't want that to define you either. So I just always try to think about that. And that kind of goes to the whole like you've been given grace. So you need to give grace to others like you've yeah. been forgiven. So you need to forgive others. Yeah, I think that's kind of always what I've or not always. But recently I've been kind of trying to live my life that way. And mm -hmm. that's why I don't really hold grudges towards anyone. Like, yeah, I don't have any friends that I dislike. Like I have friends that are no longer in my life. Right. And, like there are reasons for that. Yeah. But I don't hold like, I don't hate anyone. Right. And, and I don't think I could all, have always said that. Like, right. I, when okay. I was younger, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely Actually, likewise. Did. Likewise. Yeah. Because, you know, something I really implemented in the past year, too, that my friend Elia reminds me a lot is that, you know, when you are making a decision or when you are deciding to, you know, say something to someone, just remember to ask yourself, are you saying this from a place of peace? Like, are you in a state of peace before you say this or do this? And I think that kind of parlays over into my practice with stoicism, which is reminding myself that I don't have to be reactive to the thing. I can process it, wait to be in a more neutral state and then respond to it or maybe not respond at all. Maybe that's like my form of response, whatever that looks like. But you get to choose how you react about it, no matter what people like to say. Like, of course, as a human, you can naturally have a certain feeling or reaction about something. But at the end of it, you actually get to choose how you move forward from it, how you let that impact you, what you do with it. And ultimately, I think you do get to kind of pause that initial reaction of whatever flooding of anger, resentment. I think you can actually be like, you know what, I'm not going to choose to let this get to my head in this mm -hmm. way. Yeah, no. that's so hard, though. It's tough. Like, it's not know. easy. I think it's something you have to practice every single day. It is. It's not something that you realize like, oh, you're right. I just shouldn't be angry anymore. And mm -hmm. then like, I'm not. It's not just a switch. I think it's something that you have to practice every day. And I, I think by practicing it, it's like spending time inward, spending mm -hmm. time, I think, alone, not constantly finding distractions mm -hmm. and journaling I think is one thing yeah for me like prayer is a big thing it's mm -hmm. it's different for everyone but I think spending a lot of time inward is the only way to do it and it's like a daily decision and like a daily practice yeah I think people should really try to find a whether it's like faith or philosophy or some sort of practice that grounds them mm -hmm. and my good friend and I were talking about like someone she recently dated and she realized like that was a probably big dissonance between how they were resolving certain things in their life is that this guy 
didn't have something to ground himself in, even if it's like meditation or whatever that is, I think without that kind of self-practice for yourself, it can be really difficult to navigate like these tough times in life when you need something to ground you. So I definitely would advise people to like find something. For me, it was definitely stoicism Mm -hmm. and mindfulness and which really is just like, you know, a mix of the philosophy of stoicism, but also like, I guess a a more modern approach to I think Buddhism and and really practicing kind of reflecting on the mind, the breath, uh, the mind and body connection, that kind of thing. So I really look for that in in like a partner too, for example, like someone when I'm dating or ideally like really close friends that they have that own practice for themselves that they can also like bring up in conversation with me. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. I think especially when times get difficult or when, you know, go through challenging moments, if you don't have anything like that, Mm -hmm. it's really easy then kind of going back to the beginning of our conversation. It's easy then to think like, okay, well, that can never be me or I'm just a failure or I'm just this is just not going to work out and that's it. And it's easy to kind of see life from like looking down and a very like sad Mm -hmm. reality Mm -hmm. rather than looking at other people that inspire you or looking at the best case scenario and actually having confidence in yourself to like reach that point. Because if you don't have something that you're like clinging on to or like grounding yourself in, like you said, or I I don't know, I think it's it's really hard then to motivate you yourself. Like to to kind of like self-motivate to be like, no, 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 I can do this. I can do this when things have been tough for years, months. Maybe things have never gone well. Like how can then you say like, no, but no, I'm gonna like this isn't personal or no, yeah. I'm still gonna continue to try. And that's why I think grounding is like really important to like hold on to that and have yeah. that be the thing that you can like turn to. Something that brings you back to an equilibrium state of peace. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like a lot of words that <laughs> you said a lot better. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, I think it's it's so helpful, especially yeah, in, in times of adversity and when you need to like build self-confidence. I think it comes back from like a state of peace and like knowing who you are. Mm-hmm. 100%. Oh. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for coming on my podcast. Of course. This was a lot of fun. I think it was a different conversation from the previous times that mm-hmm. we had. Like, similar to what we were saying, how our conversations, like, just flow. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I mean, it's on video, guys, so be sure to watch this on YouTube. Yeah. But <laughs> I didn't have to, like, look at my phone at, like, question. I didn't even have questions, actually. I, I just kind of came in here and was topic. like, <laughs> just going to chat. But no, I think it's fine people like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not hard, like you said. It's really easy to figure out if you vibe with someone or not. 100%. And if yeah. you feel like, eh, is this like, I don't know, I don't know, then it's yeah. probably not, especially in the beginning. For sure. For yeah. sure. That's so, why we click. <laughs> yeah. Where can they find you? Where can they listen to your podcast? Follow yes. You? So I guess technically the part two will be on mine. So it's What Fulfills You. It's on all platforms and it'll also be on YouTube. And my Instagram is just at Emily E. Duong. Duong is spelled D-U-O-N-G. Amazing. And everything will be in the show notes in the description. Amazing. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. 
At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.